For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Come On You Spurs podcast. My name's Dan Tracy and I'll be your host for the next 45 minutes or so as we talk all things Tottenham. Because win or lose, we'll discuss the news. It's three up top this evening and that means leading the line from the front around the captain's armband is Patrick. So Patrick, you'll be running the channels this evening with some support and attack. But how have you been since we spoke a week ago? Yeah, I'm all good, thanks. And like you said, I'm wearing a captain's armband, so I'm here to raise the morale of the troops. So yeah, let's go, let's do it. Two two losses on the bounce, but yeah, we're here. We're here, we're in good spirits, and I'm happy to be here once again. So it's all good. I'm glad to hear. After a strong showing last week, Jonathan's back in the fold. Jonathan, how are you, my friend? I'm well, thank you, Dan. Looking forward to my therapy session. I do feel like I need it. It wasn't the best weekend. All of my teams lost, so oh dear. pretty wrong. I won't ask about the other teams. Let's just focus on Tottenham. But also joining us tonight, it's half-term. That means Holly's on board. Holly, how are you? I am very good, like I say. It's half-term, so my spirits are a little bit higher than normal, but I'm still gutted, obviously, with those two losses that we're going to talk about tonight. But hey-ho, it's good to be back with you guys. As it's half-term, how are the gin levels? Oh, they are through the roof. Are they? That's what I like to say. <laughs> Let's get the social media bits out of the way so we can dissect the last week and more in full. As always, don't forget to subscribe to the Common Spurs app where the podcast is available each and every Tuesday morning. You can, of course, follow us on social media. We're on Twitter at COIS underscore COM. We're on all the major audio platforms, Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, etc. If you're not on one, just let me know. I'll sort it for you. And if you listen on Apple, don't forget to leave us a five-star rating. Right, let's get down to business, and that business takes us to a rather forgettable week. But unfortunately, we need to bring it back to memory. So it's two defeats, as we've mentioned, for Tottenham. We usually focus on the Premier League first, but I think we need to dole back to Thursday on this show, because they're kind of interlinked. So Patrick, on last week's show, we mentioned the trip to Vitesse Arnhem. We kind of focused on how strong the team we'd like it to be. We kind of sort of thought about players being left behind. Come Wednesday, it was announced that all 11 that started against Newcastle were being left in the UK. That, at the time, looked a smart decision. On Thursday, come full-time, not so much. So, was that the case of Nuno getting it wrong, or did the players let him down? Yeah, I think the players let him down, because as you um, stated, Dan, and I was really happy when I saw the team sheet or heard the news that none of the first 11 were travelling. I was like, brilliant, Nuno's on the same wavelength as myself, resting all the key and core guys for Sunday's derby, key game that we need to win. Uh, the second string have a lot to prove. And so I would have thought they would have went there with a, you know, with a bone to pick, a uh, point to prove and really go all guns blazing. But they just looked flat. They looked nonchalant. They looked like they didn't want to be there. It's almost like they've given up your Delhi Ali's, your Winxes. It's like they just like, oh, you know what? Effort. I can't be asked. I'm not going to get in the team. So what's the point? So they all came out with the wrong mentality and the wrong attitude. And lo and behold, you know these game, these teams in the Conference League, they see Spurs as a big scalp. We're one of the biggest teams in there. We're one of the favourites. Every team that plays us is going to raise their game, and it seems like these guys don't get it. So if they're not playing, you know, at, at level ten, these guys are already at level twenty. The, the fans were up for it. The stadium was rocking and we just, yeah, we just weren't at the races. And as a result, we lost the game. You know, no one can argue and say that we deserved anything from that game. Um, it's just a poor showing, a really poor showing. And it worries me as well because Nuno as the manager, if he can't get these guys up, I know they're professionals and we all know that they should turn up and blah, blah, blah. But 
Nuno is the manager, he's the conductor, he's the orchestrator. And right now, I'm not seeing any of that happening. I'm not, I'm not seeing any conducting, no orchestrating. And yeah, I mean, obviously, I let the other guys have their say, but it's quite worrying, to be honest. Absolutely. But we'll get the input of the other two. So, Jonathan, if we look at the performance of the team itself on Thursday, I think, what, Brian Hill hitting the bar, the only real moment of note from a Tottenham point of view, does that suggest we have very little in the way of depth? Is that just a a bad one-off from the fringe cast, shall we say? Or is that saying that we don't have a perfect first eleven in terms of what we try and play in the Premier League? We kind of know that from what we've seen so far. But is the supporting cast not up to the... The act either. Are we really just a, a team of, say, eight or nine good players at the moment? I, th- I think you hit it on the, the nail on the head there, actually. Uh, we said last week, didn't we, we, we are concerned about our strength and depth as a squad. And, OK, we found this, this system, the, um, the oh, we've got four, two, three, one. Yep. Yeah, that's it. Um, <coughs> and... We should see the second team playing in the same system, ideally because we know the first team isn't going to change at the moment. So, you know, change their system. So let's see who can who can look good playing the same way. And the answer is uh, nobody. Um, nobody put their hand up. Peel maybe arguably <laughs> was you know looking for a subs role for uh, for Sunday, and and he did get his chance. And we'll come on to that, but. Other than that, nobody, but nobody, put their hand up, and that is really very, um, very depressing about the mood. That's uh, <laughs> if it says anything, it says that the that the the squad appears split, and the guys who are in what is now the second team aren't happy about it, and frankly, couldn't be asked. And that's not that's not a good thing for the club. As a whole, they should all be pushing to get in the first team, pushing the first team on. And that's how we're going to improve. That's how we're going to win more matches. And I don't see it. I just don't see it. For me, it makes the first team think, well, my position's safe. Um, because look at the, look at my replacement. He's even worse than me. Uh, and that's not good for us overall as a, as a team. Well, let's bring in Holly because we had this last season under Jose Mourinho. We kind of had a clear divide between your A team, your Premier League big guns, and your cup team, your Europa League team, if we call it that. Then you fast forward to this season, you've got Harry Winks as a perfect example for yourself, Holes. He's been given these kind of opportunities. As Jonathan says, he should be kicking down the door saying, I should be playing, you know, pick me, boss. I'm good enough. I'm doing my job. But. He's not doing his job. And then you hear comments that he's finding life tough at Tottenham and he's not happy with all these minutes. And surely it goes back to the player. Like, you've been given the opportunities, many, many opportunities, so surely it's on you. Exactly that. I mean, they're finding excuses after excuses after excuses. At the end of the day, they're the man on the team sheet. If they want to push into that first team, show us. Because at the moment, like, we always talk about Harry Winks just because I've got a soft spot for him. But that soft spot is wearing thin. I mean, it's just... <laughs> I can't be arsed with him anymore. Like you said, he comes out and says that he's upset, he's not confident, this, that and the other. But when you're not putting in performances to try and back up your statements and things, I just, I'm not, I'm bored with it. It's the same with Deli Ali as well. You want him to be doing well because we all know what a player he is, but it just seems to have fallen off a, off a cliff at the moment. And it's whether these players can pull themselves out of this ditch 
and be able to push on. But like you've all kind of alluded to already, it seems that it's just a running theme through the first team and this second stream squad. None of them can really be asked, it seems. Well, Patrick, we mentioned Deli Ali very quickly. Harry Winks also has been referenced. I think you could throw Ben Davis in the mix as well. After watching them all play on Thursday, do they really have a future at the club? Are they the kind of... Well, they're senior pros, if you look at the makeup of our squad. They're kind of the elder statesmen. I know they're not old themselves, but we've got a young squad. They're meant to be setting the examples now. And if they can't turn it on in the Europa Conference League, you're kind of wondering, when are they, if at all, ever going to turn it on now? Are these the kind of main targets that need to go in January or definitely next summer? Yeah, I mean, they should have been gone already. I hate to say it because obviously, like Hall said, I've been riding for Delhi Ali from day dot. I've always stated that, you know, I love the guy. We all know his talent, his capabilities. We know his ceiling is high. We really want Delhi to become the Delhi Ali of old. I mean, and it's not even become the Delhi Ali of old. You want him to be, be even better than that. Everyone should be, you know, trying or working hard to, to pro- progress and improve. But we just want to see flashes of that Delhi before we can even talk about him growing as a player and improving. But what can we do, man? How long do we give these guys? You know, Ben Davies has been at the club for eight, nine years now. Harry Winks, again, you know, Tottenham through and through, come through the academy. At one point, we thought we had our, you know, English Iniesta on our hands. He was bossing games at the Bernabeu, you know, starving um, when England beat Spain 3-2 away um, uh, at a Spanish stadium. We saw, you know, flashes of brilliance and we were all really excited with these guys. But now... You just see, they're, they're basically bums. They're players that wouldn't get into most Premier League teams. You're just looking at them. They, like, like Hull said, shot of confidence. You know, I don't know, man. It's just, it's a strange one. But I just think their future doesn't lie at Tottenham anymore. We need to get rid, bring in players that are actually excited, really want to play for Spurs, have a point to prove. It's almost like these guys have got too big for their station and they believe uh, that they deserve a spot in that first team. No one has a divine right to be in that first team or to be starting. You've got to put the performances in. And these guys aren't even putting the performances in in a so-called lesser league or lesser conference. So they have no right to even be in the matchday squad as it stands. And they're not happy with that. We know that. It's almost like a toxic cycle and it needs to be broken for our benefit and our sanity and for theirs. And let's get some players in that deserve to be in the squad. We'll prove that they can be in the squad and add squad depth because it's shocking. We've got such good plate. Well, I say on paper... These are big names, but they're not really adding anything to the squad, to the team. So, yeah, we might as well just get rid of them and then re-go. The rebuild is at a stage now where even the squad players aren't considered squad players. So, yeah, it's, it's, a, bit, it's a bit mad. Well, Jonathan, in terms of the complexion of the group, let's look at the bigger picture. We're now third. Now, I said on last week's show, in European group football before Christmas, it's a case of... Win your home games, draw your away games. You get 12 points, that gets you over the line in terms of the group. But, as always, Tottenham are doing things the hard way. And that's not even doing the things the hard way in the Champions League or the Europa League. This is doing it the hard way in the Europa Conference League. So, are we at a point now where it's not really a priority? Is this becoming more of a, what's the word, a noose, a, a millstone around our neck? Because it's kind of like, we're down if we do, we're down if we don't. If we're not taking it seriously, it's, well... At least we can play young players and you know a fringe team, but we're not winning matches there. If we play our strong players, well, why are we playing them? It's kind of we don't know our own kind of mo in this tournament. So, is it a case we're trying to bomb out quickly and we're just kind of washing our hands? And after Christmas, it's Premier League focus only. What do you reckon? I would ask the uh, the B team, if you like, who've been 
who played last week, do they want to play any football at all? Because that's the only thing open to them at the moment. Um, and they don't seem to care. So if they really don't care, um, <laughs> what's, <laughs> why should anybody else care? Um, <laughs> it's, it's really odd, isn't it? I, I just, for me, we would keep, you know, the, keep the, uh, the top line, uh, our A team fresh for Sunday uh, and keep doing that even in the last three matches. And if the, <laughs> it's, it's up to the, um, to the B team to actually prove that they, that they want to do it, that they, that they want to force their way into the, uh, into the A team or, or they want to, to at least have a shot window to get a, to get a better club next time around if that's if that's their desire but it's very hard as a as a fan to get excited about the sort of dross that they served up on Thursday night and in in some senses we could probably all do without having to watch it well it would certainly free up a few midweek evenings wouldn't it Holly but to make things all the more interesting with the way these new European tournaments are set out with this kind of third tier and it's the same with the Champions League down to the Europa League it is the fact that Last season, the top two of the group would go through automatically to the round of 32. This season, there's a bit of a plot twist. If you finish second in the Europa Conference League, you have to then meet whoever finishes third in their Europa League group. And then you might get to the round of 32. So Tottenham really need three wins from three. Does that mean Nuno's going to have to rely on the big guns? Or is it just a case of, as Jonathan alludes to, we'll try the B team. Look, these are your three auditions. If you fail, you've got no football really between now and the end of the season. I mean, my head is telling me we don't we don't need to play in this in this conference league. My heart's telling me I just want a cup, I just <laughs> yeah. want a trophy. That's all I want. So if it means having to play the big guns to be able to see it out, but I, even at that stage, I know we're getting onto the West Ham game, but I don't think anybody in that first team really have the desire at the moment either. So is maybe throwing the big guns in they're going to do any difference? I know they've got the quality. You'd like to think more over the B team, but. It's just a very messy situation at the moment. Um, I'd like to be able to win the Conference League. I mean, you think about it, the only big club in there at the moment is Roma. I don't know whether it's true whether if um, teams get knocked out of Europa, they drop into the Conference League. I don't know whether that's a thing or not. Yeah, but, so um, if you finish, as I said, so how does it work this season? If you finish third in your group in the Europa League, you meet second in the group of the Europa Conference League. Just, oh, okay. just to make things more complicated, and then you play for the round of thirty-two. Was it? Oh, I don't know. Second or third? I don't know. It's really common. You can sort of drop down. So there's definitely a drop-down element. So there will be teams that come from the Europa League that will meet us. So it's not. It looks easy on paper now, us and Roma. It could get more tricky after Christmas. However, we're making the right meal of it at the moment. So can it be salvaged? I'd like to think so. I'd like to hope so. Like you've already alluded to, Tottenham like to make things difficult for themselves, but. I'm hoping just with the quality that we have got in that first team, regardless of whether they want to show up or not, that will prevail, if that kind of makes sense. But like Jonathan said, do we really need another game midweek? Who knows? <laughs> well, Patrick, we mentioned Dane Scarlett last week and whether he'd get another go. He did. But once again, it was lacklustre. Now, I'll caveat that statement with, again, there was a lack of genuine supply. He looked very isolated. And you're now sort of fearing for him that, these indifferent performances are going to do more harm than help at this point of his career. Yeah, I feel for the kid because, um, like you said, this you know the, the the link or the line between the attack and the midfield isn't there. There's no one to give him that service. I know Lo Celso played, 
but it was even difficult for Lacelso to shine in that team. So it's really, it's a tough one. I think Dane Scarlett needs to go out on loan. That would probably be best for his development at this stage in his career. But the problem that we have is that with no recognised second striker, we can't even afford to do that. I'm really hoping in January we go out and get a decent second striker. That way, send Scarlett on loan, let him actually develop and play football with a team that can actually give him the ball, you know, or go down a lesser a league or two so he can gain some confidence. He's still such a young kid, but at the moment, he's getting shot to pieces and he's getting unfairly criticised on socials and all of that stuff when if you actually really take a look at look at it and put the game into context it's not really fair on him you can't judge him off these performances when you've got guys like Harry Winks Deli Ali you know big big I say big time players or big name players Ben Davises people that have played at all levels and they're not doing anything how do they expect Dane Scarlett to then turn up so it is a bit unfair but unfortunately his name is on the team sheet so he will be judged just like everyone else which is also fair you know so it's a bit of a weird one because Nuno's throwing him in there and it's almost like he's throwing him in the deep end and he hasn't taught him how to swim. So Nuno, you know, I think going forward, we will have to mix it up and put some of the big names in. So you might see a Kane or a Son or a Hoiberg or, you know, even a Romero thrown in the mix. Um, it's not ideal. It's not what we would want. But if we don't do that, we're not going to finish first in that in, the, in, in our group. It's just as plain as that. You can clearly see the second string aren't good enough. So, yeah, Nuno's got some questions now to answer and um, hopefully he can answer them the right way because right now there's not really much to sing about. Well, Jonathan, let's look at someone like Joe Roden who played on Thursday and you kind of wonder, he's never really been in favour since his Tottenham career started. I know he's had a few injuries, but when he has played, I know last season in the big high-profile matches... Remember the Chelsea mistake, it didn't lead to a goal, but it was a bit heart in mouth. There's just been a few kind of iffy showings from time to time. Is he another example where the club has gone for potential? And there is potential there, there is a high ceiling. But when you kind of look at what he's offered and where he's in the pecking order, arguably the fifth choice centre-back, can he find another level to his game? Or is this going to go the way of Cameron Carter-Vickers in the end? It's a difficult one, isn't it? I mean, he certainly wasn't alone in looking like he had a mistake in him. I think... Almost all of Spurs' centre-backs for the last four years have, have looked like that. Uh, certainly the last two years they have. And, and I, I, I quite liked him, actually. I thought he did quite a few good things. Um, and, well, he, he, hasn't, he hasn't lit the ground up um, when he's been playing in the... Uh, in the Conference League, but how do you light it up if you're a centre-back? Um, it, it's it's pretty hard, isn't it? And and he hasn't been getting his chance. Obviously, Romero must be uh, number one, otherwise why on earth did we pay that much for him? Um, but we've only really seen Romero with Dyer, and I don't know why we haven't tried somebody else. Maybe we will next week, but um, I, I would like to see maybe they're doing it in training. We can't we can't know everything, but it does seem to me that he hasn't really had a fair crack of the whip. Um, but as since we're not there watching training, we don't really know how he actually compares with the other guys uh, day in, day out. But 
I, I haven't been um, unimpressed by him, and I, I, he wouldn't be the first one I'd be looking to move out, to be honest with you. Um, and uh, I don't know, I'm going around in circles, really, Dan, because we haven't seen enough of the guy. He's, as you say, he's been bought in as a prospect rather than an established high-quality centre-back. Um, and we've got too many prospects. We've even got one lined up to come in next summer. So uh, I think we have to start changing our, our policy on who we recruit. I know Rodon was before Paratici, but really um, I think you know looking for a holy grail um, every time hasn't done us any favours whatsoever in the transfer market. Would have been better off going for proven quality um, than where we have been shopping. Well, that's been a tale so many times, hasn't it, Jonathan? But Holly, last week, actually no, it wasn't last week, was it? Midweek, after the Thursday game, I said that although it's really annoying to lose to Vitesse, you can't justify that defeat at all, the ends would justify the means if we won on Sunday against West Ham. Now, we all know that's not the case either. So, we also said last week there was a small head of steam appearing and we had a small feeling that it wasn't going to be a season of peaks and troughs, like this was going to be the start of the run. When it comes to bubbles, West Ham burst us yesterday. So, where did it all go wrong at the London Stadium? I mean, where did it all go right? Well, it didn't, that's the thing. It didn't go right, did it? No, it didn't. That's the thing. You want to be wishful thinking and thinking, oh, yeah, we're definitely on the run now. Obviously, the Newcastle game, bursting their party, it was all happy doors. And obviously, losing again, thinking to ourselves, oh, it doesn't matter. We've rested all the big guns. To then go into that game and not even bother to turn up, it was just, I don't even know where to point a finger anymore. Uh, the fact that, obviously, we turned up, and I think for both teams, there wasn't really much going on. And I remember sitting there and thinking, this half has lasted for ages. There was no real, I don't know, combination of play. I don't think there was any pattern of play either. We seemed to get the ball after West Ham have tried to attack after a sloppy pass from them, so to speak. And then we just hoof it up the other end of the pitch. I just didn't understand what the game plan was. It was abysmal. And then to think to yourself in that second half, there were zero shots on target just kind of explains it all. It was just absolute miserable of a performance from all of them. Well, Patrick, four defeats in the league this season. All four are London derbies. Now, that's too big a coincidence, really. It's a worrying trend in itself. Does this perhaps suggest that we're lacking leaders on the pitch? Because these are tasty fixtures, if we can call them that. Arsenal, Chelsea, West Ham, Palace. There's all needle in them. Palace game, not so much. But even then, we were bullied. So why are we losing such heated encounters? Um, I think it boils down to Nuno, to be honest. I know some people might say it's a cop-out, but I just think the manager's not good enough and he's not getting the tune out of the players and he's not setting them up the right way in these London derbies. The other teams always seem more up for it than we are. Um, obviously, you know, West Ham, as much as... And it was funny because Sky even commented on it. They said West Ham fans see Tottenham as their biggest rivals and this is the game they look for the most. When we speak to Tottenham fans, they don't care about this game. It's not a big deal to them. Obviously, it's a big deal because West Ham fans have made it a big deal. But Tottenham fans, we don't see West Ham as our rivals. We don't look at this like it's a juicy derby. We look at the Arsenal and Chelsea games as the games that we're, you know, in terms of London derbies that we're looking forward to and don't want to get beat at. We just don't want to get beat by West Ham because we just don't like them, you know. But if you're looking at in terms of the the setup is always wrong for Nuno. 
the tactical management is poor. Uh, in-game management is zero. You know, bringing, making, like you could see the game. The game was Peter and I. It wasn't a good game. Um, it was a game low on quality. Both teams didn't really do much. To be fair, we were comfortable for most of the game. And after about the first seven or eight minutes, we pretty much controlled the first half. We just didn't have any quality in the final third. We kind of picked off where we left at half time. Didn't really do much. I mean, other than West Ham scoring that goal, they didn't do much either. But the difference is Nuno, not at one stage did Nuno try and take the game to them or change things up. He could see how the game was petering out and it just looked like he was comfortable and happy to go for a score, uh, you know, a nil-nil snooze fest. Obviously, West Ham got the goal and he still didn't react. So I just don't understand his, I just don't understand where, where Nuno's going and what he's trying to do. I don't see anything at the moment. I know we played well against Villa. We played well against Newcastle. I was optimistic, thinking, yeah, OK, we're building on something. But after yesterday's performance, I'm just as shocked and as bemused as I was before. I just don't know what is going on. So I think that's the reason why we're losing these derbies. The other teams are up for it. Arsenal were definitely up for it. So were Palace. So were West Ham. And we just don't seem bothered. And it's a weird one because there's players in that team that should know better. But... I just think the manager's at fault, if I'm being honest. Well, Patrick, I'll stay with you then, because last week I did ask you, is it going to be a season of peaks and troughs? Do you reckon it is going to be that now, that it's going to be a real stuttering season where you might get a run of two matches and then a loss and we're back to kind of square one? Because before, we were getting good runs, weren't we? Even last season, before it all fell apart after Christmas, we were top, but and that come from a good run. Poch always had runs in him, always. We're not getting that under Nuno. I know it's like nine games in, but there's not a lot to suggest that we could go on a eight-match unbeaten run under Nuno. It's going to be a sort of two here, three there kind of scenario, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. I think you're right. I think you're bang on with your analysis. And, um, you know, the thing is, it's a weird one because you, you've got three fantastic teams in this league. Uh, I thought Man, Man United were eschewing with their additions to finish in the top four. But obviously, they're, they're stuttering at the moment. So fourth place is up for grabs, in my opinion, right now. We're not going to get fourth. I think we're still in that fifth to eighth bracket. I think all the teams around us are pretty much the same as us. They go on one or two games unbeaten, uh, then they drop a few points, and then you know lose a game here or there, then win a game. And it looks like we're right in that bracket, which is annoying and frustrating. But oh, I don't know, man. It's um, I mean, we do know. We've seen it now. After nine games, you can kind of see a pattern. Of, you can see where the team's at and. You know, we're just not firing. In Nuno's defence, he's got one of the best strikers in the world that is just playing like a bum. Um, we've got <laughs> players that are out of sorts. So, you know, it's not all on Nuno. So I, I am being a bit harsh on him. But at the same time, he is the manager. He's paid to get a tune out of these players. He's the one that's... Nuno's, you know, Premier League proven. Um, but the problem is we already knew what he was like in the Premier League. All the stuff that he's doing now is exactly what he was doing at Wolves last year and the year before. It's not a surprise. So this is why it really baffles me why we went for him. You know, we put out this statement, we're going for a Pochettino-esque manager, plays on the front foot, plays the Tottenham way, plays attacking football, blah, blah, blah. And then we went for Nuno. He does none of that. So we're going to have this pragmatic manager that doesn't like to make changes that is just going to sit on his ass, just hope that something changes uh, miraculously when it's not going to happen and we're just starting along and you know we'll be we're finishing the top eight I'm sure of that but I don't know where we're finished in terms of if it's going to be uh, top six definitely not in the top four it's going to be a season like this unfortunately now Jonathan as has been alluded to we didn't have a shot on goal in the second half 
that happens from time to time, and that's not great. I'm not trying to make any excuses for the Tottenham team yesterday. Certainly, because it's happened three times already this season, and that's a really worrying trend. You could argue that the defences have been solid that we've faced, but, you know, again, that's our job to break them down. We're not even doing that. We're not even testing them. In terms of sparring, if it was a boxing contest, we'd be on our arse, so to speak. So, again, is this Nuno? Is this the players? Is it system? Something's not right. What do you think it is? Um, I'm coming to the conclusion that actually that um, Nuno is being exposed as having been promoted beyond his competence. I, I think he's a... Um, He's a mid-table manager at a um, smaller Premiership club. I don't, I, I don't think he's. I just don't think he's up to the job at Spurs, to be honest with you. And I, uh, I don't want to sound make us sound arrogant as though we're somehow beyond him. But I, I just don't see it. I, I really don't see it. I look at you. Look at the managers uh, in the top three. And the way they act and the way they um, work with their players and the tactical changes they make during the matches. And it's it's complete chalk and cheese. We don't see anything of that um, from Nuno, do we? I, I, I made a note. Um, I criticised him last week for not making any changes in the second half against Newcastle. We go a goal down and it takes him 10 minutes to respond. Ten minutes. By the time we didn't bring on our first subs until the eighty second minute, for good sake. It's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous. We had there was a match to go out there and and repair, to draw or to uh, or to heaven forbid, try and win. And and we didn't do it for ten minutes. Why not? I, it's it's to me it's inexcusable. You and I just can't see any of the uh, of the top three coaches sitting on their hands going a goal down with 72 minutes to go. It just wouldn't happen. Um, so uh, why are we why are we why are we surprised? Why we've got um, we've got somebody who is risk averse and Sunday's match was poor because you actually had two risk averse coaches going head-to-head. Head. <laughs> West Ham pretty much parked the bus the whole second half, um, but were prepared to go out and snipe. Um, we're not that clever. Um, we neither parked the bus, nor did we really um, go all out to try and break them down. Um, not having any, any attempts on goal in the second half. What on earth did you send them out with for the second half? I want you to have all the possession and do nothing with it. Has he forgotten what the aim of, of playing football is, which is to, to score a goal? Otherwise, you can't possibly win. I don't know. I'm just I'm starting to really lose it with Nuno, I'm afraid. And I, and I was quite prepared to give him his head at the beginning. Um, and let's see how we go. I certainly wasn't set against him. But now I, I just can't see anything positive in the way he acts as our manager. So, I've had it with him at the moment. That's for sure. OK, Holly, let's stay on the topic of Nuno. A lot of Newcastle fans have felt like they've won the football lottery as of late with that Saudi takeover. Has Nuno slightly won his own lottery prize by getting 
up the football hierarchy, so to speak. When a manager leaves by mutual consent, it doesn't really sort of go up the food chain. Now, Nuno's kind of landed on his feet by, by hook or by crook, shall we say, because Spurs have gone down the list, they've got to Nuno. It's kind of, as Jonathan says, he's not quite a fish out of water because he's a Premier League manager in terms of experience, but his Premier League experience is different to being the cut and thrust of a team which is knocking on the door of the, the top six, dare I say the top four. So, is he kind of his own square peg in a round hole, like a Lo Celso is, or sometimes Ndombele? Have we just got a manager who just doesn't fit our Tottenham DNA, so to speak? I think so. I think it's just the generic um, Enic board kind of system. Let's just throw something at it because at the end of the day, what else have we got to lose? I think that's the kind of way I'm looking at it. I think Nuno was a bit naive coming into it and actually thinking that, not that he would do a good job, but that he'd be able to have the skills and expertise in how to manage players like Deli Ali because Jose couldn't be able to get a tune out of Delhi towards the end of his time. So I think... Uh, in Nuno's kind of sense he's probably looking back and thinking to himself oh yeah I really didn't know what I was signing myself up for but I think it is true when you're a manager who's managed at Wolves managed to bring them up from the championship managed to do okay in the Prem but really never pushed them on does he really think in himself that he's going to be able to come to Tottenham and try and push for top four when at the moment we're kind of lagging behind I don't think so so yeah, I think it's kind of not good for all parties, especially us as fans. I mean, when you look at it and think that Nuno wasn't really up there in the top choice of managers that we all kind of wanted. So when you look at it that retrospectively, you're thinking to yourself, yeah, actually, I think this just is a random roll of the dice because Nuno was kind of up for it and we didn't really have anyone else. So, yeah, it's, it's a tough one for him, I think. Well, Holly, I'll stay with you because we go back to Sunday in the game, certainly the second half, 60% possession for us, I think it was, or 60 odd percent possession but none of it was impactful at all none of, nothing was going out wide nothing was stretching West Ham so you're kind of possession for possession sake and it was a real chore to watch does this go back to the whole being risk averse where's the the cut and thrust or does it go back to maybe not trusting players on the bench because they've had a stinker on Thursday hence why late subs were made because he thought oh, I have to make something now I can't play 11 players for 90 minutes like something's got to change but what you know is this there's such a malaise with everything isn't it it's the Players aren't doing the job. It's Nuno with the wrong system. You know, he can't quite crack it just yet. If he's got the right shape, there's no urgency. You know, there's so many intangibles which aren't working at the moment. That's just another example in terms of the possession, isn't it? I think so, yeah. I mean, it shows we could keep the ball for once because in the first half, we were just lumping up. But, yeah, that's the thing. I think, like I said, there's loads of different factors that come into it. I think we have to remember as well the fact that he had to... All of his energy was probably put into that Harry Kane situation. You think about it, he's just walked into a club and your best player wants to leave. So I think sometimes we have to give him a bit of credit in the way he kind of handled that. But it's true. When it gets to the 82nd minute and you're only just making your sub, you think to yourself, mate, come on, you need to take some risks now because... We're, we're chasing the game, basically. And like Jonathan said, it took 10 minutes for us to come up with a reply. And again, there was never a reply. Like you said, it was just like boring possession. There was no possession with some intent to go and do something with the ball. So I think it's a mismatch of everything, really. Like you said, maybe Nuno's lacking in confidence. He's lacking in confidence with the players that he's got on the bench. You're thinking to yourself, the players I thought were going to do a job on Thursday didn't. And now I've got all of these 11 players that have been rested, still ain't getting a tune for me. So... I think it's a very difficult position being Nuno, but I think he does have to be accountable, especially for making those subs. Now, Patrick, we spoke about Undumbele last week. Kind of, that's the Undumbele we want. And he didn't have a bad game, but didn't really pull up many trees. 
That said, the one flashpoint of the first half involved him and Kurt Zuma. Do you think we should have had a penalty after they're coming together? Yeah, I was surprised because they said they took a long look at it on VAR, but then they didn't give it. And if you had to look at it, you can clearly see there's contact. And Kurt Zuma didn't win the ball. At first, the commentator said, oh, Zuma won the ball, nothing to see here. And then when they replayed, they said, oh, actually, he didn't. So I was a bit, it was a bit weird because that, for me, they're going to take a look at it. It's a pen. Um, but then they talk about it's not a clear and obvious error, so they can't overturn it. So I'm thinking, what is the point? You know, you can clearly see that there's contact. He took him out and he didn't get nowhere near the ball. So for me, that should have been a penalty. But with that being said, did we deserve a pen? Um, did we deserve to take the lead and blah, blah, blah? I'm not sure. I just, um, I think what Jonathan and Holly is, I mean, Jonathan said that when Nuno first came in, he was okay with their appointment and he was willing to give him time. From the beginning, without sounding negative, because I never want to be negative about Spurs and I get behind the manager, but I knew from the beginning that Nuno wasn't the right guy. And it's a, it's a, it's a worry because, yeah, we've got players like Ndombele. Is Nuno getting a tune out of him? I'm not sure. Obviously, we know what's going on with Kane. Son is Son, so he's always going to play and play his heart out. But it's um, it's just, yeah, I don't know what to say. I think we're going to go through the same kind of cycle this season. We'll win a few games and then we'll be back where we are now against like, you know, performances like this against West Ham. And um, like Hull said, we had all the possession, but there was no intent. There was no desire. There was no one that was willing to... But and then as well, sometimes I look at it and like, OK, you're a player, you're a top professional like Harry Kane or Hummin Son or even Ndombele. Why don't you just go out there and play? Like, even if your manager's telling you to do this or do that, just go and win the game and then let that, what happens happen. Because at the end of the day, for you to just sit back and not do anything and just have the ball for having the ball's sake, what does it prove? What do, where do we go? You know, we just end up potentially... It's almost like, yeah, both managers were just happy to take a point and move on. But then when you lose or go a goal down, you're just in this situation where Nuno isn't willing to make the changes or be you know, um, brave enough to try and take the game to the opposition. And we end up dropping three points. Um, we shouldn't have dropped a point. Uh, so we shouldn't have even, we shouldn't have left the stadium without, without a point yesterday because West Ham weren't better than us on the day. It's just that we just obviously did what we did and um, ended up throwing the game away. But yeah, so it's a weird one. But going back to end on Bele point, I don't know. He was okay yesterday. He wasn't great, but then really, who was? Well, no one really, for brutally honest. But Jonathan, the biggest flashpoint I think in the second half, or you could even say the game as a whole, was Romero in four hours. A little skirmish by the touchline. We often talk about in general Tottenham need to master the dark arts. It was a thing with Lamella, so it's obviously maybe an Argentinian trait. Do we need to see more of what we saw from Romero? Was he walking a very tight line? Because on a different day that could have been a red card. So is that something you want to see more of or less? Good. Remind me, Dan, did the ref give a foul for that? Uh, I can't remember. I don't think he did. No, I don't think he did. I don't think he did. In which case, has shouting at a player on the floor now become a bookable offence? Because if that wasn't a foul, what was he actually booked for? Um, uh, Because I think they just gave the throw-in, didn't they? Yeah, um, they did. They did. uh, if, If Romero was saying come on, you, whatever, um, you're faking it, get up. The guy did exactly that the moment he shouted at him. In, in <laughs> fact, pursued, pursued him across the pitch. So he looked pretty healthy to me, in which case he was obviously shamming. 
So why wouldn't you book both players? I, I thought it was just a really odd incident. Um, did it wind West Ham up? Not really, because they didn't score for another 10 minutes. So you can't, you can't say that, oh, on, on the back of that, they went and scored. Um, uh, and OK, Fennell forced the corner that they scored from. But really, it was all a bit of a nothing. And I, I, I was just surprised. I mean, you see centre-backs shouting at prostrate forwards all the time, don't you? And they don't get booked for it. So I'm not too sure what the referee booked him for. It was just something about nothing, I thought. Anyway. Well, I guess when it's a player that you are sort of supporting or behind, you kind of think you're always going to take that bias of, I don't really see the issue. If it was four hours on Romero, you'd be like, hang on, where's the red card there? So I guess it all comes to where your um, support lies. So as you say, Jonathan, not really anything to write home about, but an interesting flashpoint all the same. Holly, what was not a perfect example yesterday was our defending for West Ham's only goal, the winner and all of that. Such a basic goal to concede when you look at it. And you have to wonder, why is no one taking charge of that situation in the box? Honestly, I do not know. I mean, the first person that obviously lots of people have blamed is obviously Harry Kane standing still like a plank and allowing Antonio to come across him and stick a, stick a toe, stick a toe out, sorry, <laughs> and put it into the, the back of the net. But you've also got to look everybody else around you. Like you said, who's commanding that box? Because it was none of us. Because you, I think there was an incident where Hoiberg and Skip have ran into each other. Regulon in the starters is giving away that corner when he doesn't need to. I feel it's just an utter shambles. And the thing that really, really ticks me off was the fact that we knew how good uh, West Ham were good at set pieces. That's the thing that really ticks me off and how well Creswell was so good at putting a ball into the box from a uh, dead, uh, dead spot situation. So the fact that, obviously, we weren't obviously on the ball to start with, that the fact that he was taking the corner to then just be non-existent and not being able to man-mark people, it was honestly beyond me. And it's something they teach you from a young age in order to man-mark and be able to command an area. And, OK, don't get me wrong, our defence hasn't been great at the best at times. But you've got West Ham coming up. Those 11 players have had a week to kind of get their homework done and it just seemed to go out the window as soon as Creswell's touched that ball and it went into the box. Patrick, as Holly mentioned, Harry Kane is in the crosshairs for blame. Is this fair? Is he at fault? Uh, yes. and I mean, yeah, if we're being honest, he's at fault. But to be fair, he's an attacking player. He's a striker. Is he really going to be touch, touch tight and... Um, uh, in terms of just defensive positioning, he's a striker. It's not his bag. So it's a bit harsh to say he's at fault. But then he's the man marking Antonio. And Antonio does get across him quite easily and stick out a leg. I mean, it's a goal that is so frustrating because nine times out of ten, no strikers getting on that ball. But somehow Antonio sticks his leg out at the right time. And lo and behold, it's him of all people scoring against us again. I'm sure the guy never scores against other teams apart from us. It's so frustrating. And then Antonio does his, his, his um, trademark celebration. And, yeah, it's, it's, it's annoying. But like Hull said, Regalon, first and foremost, him trying to be smart and cute and, and, and push the ball around the player when he didn't need to do that. And then he gave turned the ball over. Then we gave away the corner. It was just a sequence of events that could have just been avoided. And then it probably end up being a draw. We were talk about it saying it's a boring game, low on quality, but at least we got a point. So it's just we gave away a goal pretty much out of nothing. Even, you know, when we gave away that corner, it's not like we were under pressure. We had our backs against the wall and it was wave after wave of attack. It wasn't. So it's really frustrating to lose the game like that. And, um, yeah, to be fair, if you are looking at the defending Harry Kane, it wasn't good. But then where were the centre-backs? Where were the defensive-minded players? They were nowhere to be seen either. 
Well, if we're honest, Harry Kane's never been great on the near post. Wasn't it Swansea shanked in an own goal? So, you know, maybe just him on the near post isn't the best of ideas. But, Jonathan, in terms of Kane's fault, in inverted commas, yesterday, some people are making the rather large leap that that fault comes from a lack of interest, as if to have his hands on his hips to say, oh, I'm not really bothered about this. If it goes in, it goes in. Now, that's not fair. There's a lapse that happens, and it did happen yesterday, but... To, literally sort of down tools in the most obvious sense, I don't think is really the case. But people are making that assumption. Does this mean that because of what happened in the summer, that everything he does is now going to be, shall we say, like an unnecessary forensic examination? You know, everything's going to be so far under the microscope, which wouldn't have happened last season. If the same thing happens last season and West Ham get a winner because Kane's at fault, the only argument is Kane's at fault. And that's the discussion. It doesn't go any wider than that. But as I say, people are making this extraordinary leap to say, well, he just doesn't care. So surely do we have to kind of get that out of our own collective mindset? I don't think it's fair to accuse him of, of not caring or not being, um, or not wanting to win for the for the shirt and things like that. I, I do I do question, I, I agree with everything that Patrick and Holly have said about that particular incident and that corner. And all I would say is, why is our centre forward marking their centre forward why haven't we got a centre back on it? Uh, that 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 is to me that just seems pretty straightforward. Um, so I wouldn't <laughs> I wouldn't expect Kane to be our best defender from a corner marking their uh, their most significant threat. So why was he? Um, <laughs> but to move on to Kane, uh, he, his form does seem to be in something of a slump, and I think. The Newcastle game was the anomaly um, rather than <laughs> all the other games he's played so far where he hasn't scored. And I think what what he does seem to have lost at the moment is his first touch. What used to be so reliable for him and for us is just completely letting him down. How many passes did he get to his feet and he, he almost fell over the ball or he knocked it too far or whatever? It, it just wasn't the Harry Kane that we've been used to the last four or five years. Um, and I don't know when we're going to get that Harry Kane back. And that's that's my major concern. Um, at the moment, he's a Tottenham player. I, um, I, I can't, I don't even know if, if City want him or not, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> they didn't stump up the cash that they needed to to get him in the summer. So what, why would they do it? Now, looking at his current form, um, I, I just think we're he's our player and he isn't playing very well. And um, between him and the manager, they need to find a solution, don't they? Because without him doing the goals or scoring the goals that he has done, we're <coughs> it's no wonder our goal difference is so bad. We haven't had, we've only had one from, from Kane. Normally, he would have got six, seven, eight by now. Uh, and that's that's where we are. That's our season at the moment. Well, the only solution might be a change of manager. So, Holly, where are you sitting on the Nuno in, Nuno out fence at the moment? Are you advocating a change of boss this early? If there is a change, is that change Ryan Mason all the way through to next May? What do you reckon? Oh, my days. Honestly, I really don't know. I I don't think, like Patrick said, I don't think, and I know Patrick was like spot on from the start saying he's Nuno's not the man. And I had a little bit of faith, but my patience is wearing thin. Um, 
But I also know if we get another manager in, we're at square one again. So I think, to be honest, I don't, I really, if we get Mason in, I feel like he'll be the biggest puppet ever, which we kind of saw towards the end of last season. And I really don't want to go down that route throughout the Premier League season. So for me, I'll just hang on to Nuno because I don't know where else to turn. If I'm going to be quite honest with you, that's me just speaking out of context because I honestly have not got a clue. I mean, like we've said already, Nuno was like, what, ninth in the list of managers and the fact that we're already done with him already. I don't think there's anybody waiting in the wings to lap up the chance to come and manage Tottenham. So I think our best bet is just to keep him for the minute and that sounds horrendous in itself as well. Well, exactly. That's the sad state of affairs that we're in a position where Nuno's likely to hold on to his job because there's no other candidate. This is Tottenham Hotspur. We got to a Champions League final in 2019. Now, I know football doesn't stand still. No one's got divine right to win football matches. And if you sort of don't keep progressing, you do get left behind. We're getting left behind. The fact we can't really get even a semi-decent or an elite manager. Do you know what I mean? We're kind of down the pecking order and people are turning their noses up at Tottenham. Now, whether that's because they don't want to work with Daniel Levy or not, I don't know. But it doesn't speak... It's not a good optic for the club at all. Now, if you sort of considering... You see names like Harry Redknapp come back. And Harry Redknapp was great, but... That ship has sailed. Come on, it might give us a short morale boost, but even that doesn't really fix the problem. It's kind of it's a sorry state of affairs, Patrick, and it could get worse at the weekend because it's Manchester United now. Ollie is always at the wheel. Are we at a point where Nuno could be, for the use of better term, kind of always one game away from his head being on a chopping block? It's kind of we beat Newcastle and everything was right for a few days. We get to Thursday and it's just that discontent's bubbling. Gets to yesterday, Nuno out, he's back on the agenda again. So, are we at almost a point where there's a P45 waiting for whoever loses come this weekend, be it the Tottenham or the Man United manager? Yeah, I mean, they're billing it at El Sacchio. <laughs> <laughs> so, basically, whoever loses is gone. And that's pretty much where we're at. It's, a, it's, it's mental, but, you know, I, I don't want to be that guy that said, I told you so, but like Holzer saying, I did tell everyone, I said it. And I was told I was I was being called negative on Twitter. But you won't take any that. joy. Sorry to interrupt, Patrick. You're not going to take any joy from being right, though, are you? It's kind of a case. No, of, of course. Yeah, not. Is this it's is something it. that. Yeah, that obviously I want Nuno to do well. Um, if Nuno does well, then me as a Tottenham fan, I'm happy because the team's doing well. But I just knew he wasn't the guy. I'm, I've seen, I've watched Wolves closely. I've watched. You know, I'm a Premier. I'm a football fan. I watched the Premier League with a keen eye. I know he wasn't. I knew he wasn't good enough. And we're seeing that. Yes, he's got better players at his disposal, but what are we seeing from Nuno so far? It's the same guy that we saw at Wolves. The same guy that struggled at Wolves last year is the same guy we're seeing here. His form is still consistent. And unfortunately, he's brought that bad form to Tottenham. And we're seeing it, you know, pan out week in and week out. And um, yeah, if um, Dan, what you said is a great point. If we keep winning one game, losing two, winning two, losing one, then of course he will be... Uh, pretty much close to a P45. If we go on a run of games, like this Tottenham team should be capable of doing, then obviously those little rumblings and murmurs will quieten down because we'll be like, oh, you know what? Things aren't that bad. We're in the top four. I mean, if we would have won yesterday, we would have been in the top four. Yeah. And then there's no talk. There's no talk of Nuno getting fired. And it'd be actually, you know what? Even though things have been bad, they're still okay. And fans would be content. But when we keep losing games and losing you know, games to, to teams that we shouldn't really be losing to... That's when you see it. And I know West Ham are a decent team now, don't get me wrong, for people that are listening and thinking, you know, as a Tottenham fan, we're being above our station. But 
we should be beating West Ham, let's be honest. And or we shouldn't be losing. Away from home, like you said, um, Dan, win your home games, at least draw your away games. That's how it should be. But to lose away in the manner that we did, yeah, Nuno's Nuno will be under and if you know, um I'm quite fearful of this Man United game, to be honest, because there's a lot of talks that Oli will be gone before the weekend. And if they bring in a, a new manager and they've got a new manager bounce, that's something to really be concerned about. And also, they say a wounded animal is a dangerous animal. These guys will be pretty much ready to react. They got humiliated. Um, they're going to try and take it out on us. And right now, we're just... I don't know. I don't see no reaction from us as Tottenham players. So, I am a bit worried about this Man United game. It's a game that I should we should be going into with confidence. But I'm quite fearful, to be fair, right now. Well, Holly, let's not overlook midweek because it's more cup action. We're off to Burnley. 11 changes on Thursday after a Premier League match. How many changes are going to take place at Turf Moor? Can Nuno afford to make wholesale changes across the board? Or is he going to have to go a bit stronger to stay in the cup and ease that pressure? Because if he doesn't win that one, it could get pretty nasty come the weekend. It could do. I mean, if we, we go out to Burnley, it just brings the morale down even further than what it already is. So I think... Wednesday is a massive game, but one that you also have to think you've got Man United in the back of your head. So it's going to be interesting. I think there's going to be a few changes, but I don't think it's going to be as drastic as obviously the midweek game last week where we changed the whole 11. I think we'll still see the lights of... So I think Kane will be rested. I think, like I said, there's something not right with Harry Kane's head at the moment. Whether We don't know Harry Kane whether his head's not in it because he's at Tottenham or whether there's something else going on and it's still affecting him, all of that transfer talk in the the summer. But I think Kane just needs a little bit of a timeout and then hopefully come back raring to go um, for the Man United game. But I think there will be some changes in personnel in in a sense of some young ones. I'd like to see Bayern Hill just have a run out, to be honest. I think giving him eight minutes at the end of the West Ham game to try and do something, I was a bit mean and hit that kind of sense because there's no way no player can really make an impact especially that young so it'd be quite nice to see uh, him fold into the team but yeah I think a few changes but definitely keep a few big guns in there because we can't go into Saturday's game with even more of a depleting morale absolutely right before we wrap up let's get the United predictions in for Saturday Jonathan I'll start with you what have you got for me one all I can't go stronger than that at the moment Dan that's it one all that's absolutely fine Holly what are you saying I was going to say one all as well. That's right. You can copy Jonathan's homework. That's fine. <laughs> Patrick, what are you saying? I'm going to be nuts and totally outlandish and say 2-0 Tottenham. Ooh, OK, hello. Um, <laughs> yeah, that is nuts. But you, you don't know, do you? So this could be the win. Yeah. And I know if we do win, we'll be in a better mood next week saying, do you know what? Things aren't too bad. And you might get to the game after that and we lose and we're back in this cycle. So, you know, <laughs> it's going to be, as I say, all over the place this season. But I'm going to copy both Holly and Jonathan's homework. I'm also going to go for one all. I can't really see it being anything else. I'm I'm rarely right with these predictions, in fairness, but I just haven't got a great feeling. We're at home, but even that's a bit of a millstone run our next at the moment. So we'll have to wait and see. Let's see how that pans out, because we'll be back on Monday to dis- dissect all of that. So I need to just thank my three Pod Squad members for their time this evening. Jonathan, thanks for your time again. I hope you enjoyed that one. Actually, I feel awful. I feel like a great weight is lifted from my shoulders. Good, Dan. I feel I feel so much happier just to have got all of that off my chest. And if I sounded depressed, um, that's because I was. Well, that's that's, that's, what, that's what, you know. <laughs> but at least I feel better now. So that's the good. Well, these therapy sessions are free, Jonathan. But they do. They, yes, there is a lot of catharsism. You start off miserable, everyone at the beginning, and then you have just sixteen <laughs> minutes of just unleashing, and you do feel better. 
by the end. Holly, how was that therapy session for you? No, I loved it. It was good. It was nice to be back on with you guys, and I really appreciate you asking me. Like I said, I just wish there was more half-terms dotted around the year than what there already is. <laughs> well, the next Christmas break or whatever, we'll definitely get you on when the, uh, the diary allows. But as always, Holly, thank you for your time. No, cheers. Thank you. No problem. And Patrick, thank you for running the channels once again this evening and wearing that captain's armband. Yeah, no, it's all good. Always a pleasure. Great to be on with Jonathan and Holes and obviously yourself. Um, yeah, we always have fun on here. We always chop it up and I'm um, always happy to be here. Top man. I'll speak to you, Patrick, next week and obviously whatever guests are online. And also, if you want to be a guest, get in touch with me on Twitter at DanTracy1983. We're always up for putting new squad members through their paces. So do get in touch if you want to share your opinions on the show. And with that said, it just leaves me to say that my name's Dan Tracy. And until next time, come on, you Spurs. For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play.